Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. At my signal, unleash hell. Greetings, welcome. You are listening to News Talk. Saga 960, Mark Petroni with you. For the next two solid gold hours of freedom-loving news talk. Awesomeness. So glad you could join us on this Tuesday edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program. Our number, if you'd like to give us a call. Always happy to hear from listeners just like you. 416-640-0200. NATO leaders in London in the UK for their big meeting marking uh, 70 years of NATO, the two-day summit. Supposed to be all about the 29-member military alliance. But the real thorny issue is is trade as the U.S. prepares to drop the hammer on France. Uh, two and uh, Almost two and a half, $2.4 billion in tariffs on French goods. And uh, the French under leader Emmanuel Macron not happy about it. Uh, France's government said that the European Union would retaliate if the U.S. administration under Donald Trump follows through on its threat to uh, to hit them with uh, uh, tariffs on French goods. Well, we're talking wine and cheese, that kind of stuff. Uh, tariffs over uh, – it's a dispute concerning how large tech companies are taxed. The French want to levy a digital services tax on companies uh, like Google, like Amazon, like Facebook, big tech. And President Trump says, uh, well, no, he's not going to have any part of that. He says he's not real crazy about these companies, mind you. <laughs> and who could blame them, considering the uh, the way that he's been treated, considering the censorship of conservative voices on Google, on Facebook, the removal of people, uh, the deplatforming that's been going on. But basically, Trump's position is that uh, if anybody's going to go after these guys, it's going to be him. Uh, let's hear a little bit from what Trump had to say in I'm London. can't tell you that. But there are other foes out there also. But I think nobody needs it more than France. And that's why I think that when France makes a statement like they made about NATO, that's a very dangerous statement for them to make. Well, look, I'm not in love with those companies, uh, Facebook and Google and all of them, Twitter, although I guess I do pretty well with Twitter on the other side, but I'm not necessarily in love with those companies. Uh, but uh, there are companies. There are American companies. I want to tax those companies. They're not going to be taxed by France. So France is going to put a tax on. It was totally out of the blue. He just had the idea. Emmanuel had an idea. Let's tax those companies. Well, they're American companies. I'm not going to let people take advantage of American companies because if anyone's going to take advantage of the American companies, it's going to be us. It's not going to be France. 
And so we, we're taxing, as you know, we're taxing their wines and everything else. And we have a very, very big tax to put on them. Plus, we have a tax going on on Airbus. Uh, and uh, that'll be a good thing for Boeing. But we're only going to do that if it's necessary. As you know, we won in the World Trade Organization. We won seven. All right. So that's uh, Donald Trump talking a little bit about why he's doing what he's doing relative to the tax on uh, French goods. So that's really the cloud that's hovering over uh, these proceedings. It's not. It's partly about NATO. I mean, Trump has also been on about the failure of com- of countries uh, to come through with their fair share. I mean, Canada's on that list, and uh, fortunately, we're going to be speaking with Miles Kristen of Wisconsin International Radio in about uh, 55 minutes from now. He'll be coming to us from Madison, and we, just to get his take on uh, the, the debt problem and how it is that, that uh, the United States continues to accumulate massive amounts of debt. I think it's up to $23 trillion now. And we had a, a brief uh, exchange of emails, uh, messages on Twitter recently saying, well, how come your your debt is, uh, you know, at the time he thought it was one trillion. I, it's, it's approaching a trillion, uh, but we're in the $700 billion range. Last time I checked federally, although it's going up all the time. And he wanted to know why it was that ours, uh, that our debt is at our level. And I said, I think really what it boils down to is military spending <laughs> the us just spends a lot more and uh, we rely we you know let's face it you know i'm not saying we're complete deadbeats here but we're not paying our fair share at least if you believe trump where well, i think we're at 1.25% we should be at 2 and so look the united states continues to shoulder the biggest burden as far as defense spending is concerned and we've been the one of the main beneficiaries of that and so that's the so I'm sure that that will come up, but uh, there, there it is. You heard Trump being Trump in all his bombastic glory, uh, saying that if anybody's going to go after the Twitters of the world and the Facebooks and the Googles, it's going to be America. I like the guy. I think he's the anti-politician, and he says whatever pops into his head. I wish more. <laughs> I wish more politicians were like that more often. Our PM in London for his. Uh, First meeting this morning, it was it was at 10.15 local time, and he met with the president of Latvia, Egils Levitz. What, so I guess the Latvians drew the short straw here? Look, no offense to Latvia. I, I'm sure it's a terrific place. I've worked with people of Latvian descent, good workers, nice people. But let's face it here, it's a tiny, insignificant country. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, somebody will rip me over that. No, it's not. It's it's a critical geopolitical significance because of its position. And yeah, it's a former Soviet puppet state. I get it. Somebody might want to tell Junior that. I don't know if he embarrassed himself already or what. And looking forward to ch- chatting with uh, the Toronto Suns, Brian Lilly. He'll be on hand to give us the inside scoop on the Premier's Meetings. Uh, Brian managed to annoy Quebec Premier Francois Legault. We'll find out what he did to do that. I'm glad he did, considering Legault's ongoing uh, stupid position on pipelines. But Brian's got the goods, the inside track, and we'll be checking in with Brian in about seven minutes. Um, By the way, he's got a column in the Toronto Sun 
uh, on what they could agree on, what they could not agree on. And the, the critical issue, once again, is pipelines, which is great for, for Trudeau. He wants division, right, on, on the issue of pipelines because he doesn't he's you know he's dug in his heels on that issue i pff, i don't want to go into it i'll get into trouble if i say what i'm really thinking about the reason why that's going on but just getting back to this latvia <laughs> i don't want to dwell too much on look i i would probably have okay it's around it's there's estonia right there's latvia there's lithuania right right in the same area am i right I'm sure it punches above its weight, but it is a flyweight country. So my question, is it an indicator that we are punching below our weight, that our, our first meeting is with is with them? I mean, who's next on, on Junior's dance card? You know, the guy who cleans the toilets? I'm sorry. Is that the best we can do? Is that the best we can do? Trump's meeting was with the NATO's general uh, secretary general, Jen Stoltenberg. I get it. They're, you know, the big dog. We're not. We're talking about the biggest player in the world. And we're, I'm, I'm sorry, we're a joke. We're, come on. Seriously, this was the best we could do. <laughs> Somebody from Latvian Defense is going to give me a call and say, hey, man, you're off base here. Fine. You know, I'm just asking, you know, we were supposed to be back. Remember that? Canada's back. Seems to me we're like at the back of the room. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, so as again, again, we are talking to uh, Miles Kristen of uh, Wisconsin International Radio. And we're going to get his analysis on a number of issues going on now, including the size of their debt, which is runaway. It is, we're talking really – it's bad. It really is bad. I thought things would improve under Trump, but um, they, they really have not. Uh, more bad news for conservative party leader Andrew Scheer. And it's going to be great because we've got John McIntyre. He's a conservative strategist. We're going to have him on the show in about 20 minutes' time. Um, look, what do you want to call this one? The Alberta snub? I get he was about to deliver a speech. There was an AGM, the annual general meeting down there, and uh, apparently some conservative MLAs walked out just as Sheer hit the stage. Well, was it rude? You know, it kind of was. <laughs> I mean, this is still the leader of the party, and whether you think the guy should be hanging on, I personally do not. I think he should go. But it seemed a bit much to just walk in, to just walk out of the room just because the guy took the stage. That seemed a bit much from from my vantage point. That's like no respect. That's like, you know, that's like it's not just saying we think you should leave, Andrew. That's more like get the hell out. That was not that was not cool. I mean, but it does send a message. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if you don't get the message from something like that, and I don't know what to say to you. I mean, if you're not even going to allow the guy to speak, and if you're going to just get up and leave because he takes the stage, and you're a conservative, you're a member of the party in good standing, well, that's not saying much, is it? I mean, that's, you know, that's not, you've not reached the point where these people have nothing but disdain for Andrew Scheer now. That's what we've reached the point. We've reached the point now where these guys want him gone like yesterday. 
Let's hear a little bit of the audio. This is one of the guys who uh, was who walked out. He was he was there one minute. Sheer takes the stage. Now these are members of the UCP, the United Conservative Party of Alberta. Right? These are uh, MLAs, but these are still key players. These are Conservative Party members. And here's the guy who, who he couldn't even stay in the same room as Andrew Shear when when Shear took the stage. I think it's pretty fair to say that Andrew Shear is not loved in this party. That room was quiet when he got on the stage. There was no chanting. There was nothing going on. Um, obviously, this is this is what I'm saying. This is not a civil war. This is not a party civil war. This is an exorcism. Like we are getting rid of Andrew Shear, and we will go DSM by DSM, and we will fight in every single riding of this country. I think it's pretty okay. So it's an exorcism. It's not a civil war. Well, excuse me. I, I'm sorry I don't have this guy's name, but it is a civil war. I mean, if you're if you've declared war on the leader, and you know, presumably he still does have some support. I don't know how much. He's not going anywhere. He has served notice that he's not going to be leaving anytime soon. But uh, this guy is saying it's an exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that mean? Is he saying that Shear is the devil? Uh, I mean, Shear is not the devil. He just is a failure as a as a uh, as a candidate for the leader of the. You know, he was the leader of the party. It was the party that screwed up in choosing him to begin with. That's that's what happened. That's what went wrong. And so we're going to be chatting with with, with John McIntyre. We'll see if he thinks it's a uh, it's an exorcism or whether he thinks it's a civil war. Either way, something is going on here, and uh, I, I don't know how much longer Shear's going to hang on. He seems to have dug in his heels, and he he, has, he served notice he's not going anywhere. He says, "Well, we you know we don't need internal party divisions right now." But when you've you've reached the point. Where people are standing up and leaving just because you're taking the stage, or your own people in your own party are doing that, you got to really seriously think about how much longer you want to hang on. Got to take a quick time out. Brian Lilly's going to be joining us on the other side with uh, the latest on the premiers. But I got to ask him about this Latvia situation. Am I reading something in here that's not there? Junior getting uh, that, that's his first meeting. It's a two day summit. He gets, or should I say, Latvia got stuck with Junior? I don't know. That story coming up after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni radio program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with more News Talk. Mark Petroni with you on this edition of the Mark Petroni radio program right here on Saga 960. So very glad you could join us. Well, the premiers wanted to show unity. They wanted to show that they were all on the same page as they wrapped up their mini-meeting in Toronto. But despite their best efforts, cracks remain. And that to taken straight out of Brian Lilly's column in the Toronto Sun. Brian, welcome to the show. 
Oh, good to be back with you. So t- tell me, you, you managed to tick off uh, Francois Legault? <laughs> yes, I did. All right. So what did you, what, what did you do? You poked well, the bear, didn't you? I think you recognized <laughs> me from the last uh, meeting of the, the premiers in Saskatoon where I straight up asked him, why are you willing to take the equalization money if you're not willing to take a pipeline that produces the equalization money? Uh, so I didn't ask him that yesterday, but I did ask him about um, if they had changed their thoughts when it comes to pipeline. There was a, a line in the communique, and the communique is something that all the premiers say they agree on. And it included saying that uh, Canada's uh, provinces agreed to continuing to uh, you know, develop our natural resources and get them to markets. That, I'm paraphrasing, but that's effectively it. Get them to markets. And I said... Uh, Premiers uh, Horgan and Legault, you guys are against pipelines. Uh, Premiers uh, Moe and Kenny, you're definitely for them. Can you tell me what this line means? And John Horgan gave a long-winded explanation that says he's still opposed to pipelines going through British Columbia, uh, if he has anything to say about it. Uh, And Francois Legault just leaned forward, he looked surly, and he said, our position has not changed. (laughs) Which is unfortunate. I mean, maybe Alberta's position is going to change. Well, this is the thing, right? I mean, the, uh, this is where the rift really exists. And that's why it's disappointing to see that yeah, they came together on other issues. But really, the big one is pipeline. That, that was the key thing, wasn't it? That was the one that uh, seems, seems to be pushing the West further and further away, is this sense that they can't build the kind of infrastructure that they need, and they're paying the price out West. Meantime, they got to shovel, what, $12, $13 billion in equalization payments to Quebec every year? Yeah, and what they were able to agree upon uh, is something that did leave uh, Premiers Kenny and Moe, as well as uh, Premier Ball of Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, satisfied, and that's that they agreed to call for changes to something called the Fiscal Stabilization Fund. And this is a fund that is supposed to be it's similar to equalization, except it's more long-term. Equalization is... Uh, you're planning uh, on on a multi-year scale. Uh, Who gets money, if any at all, is determined on multi-year averages of provincial income and needs and services and so on. This fiscal stabilization program is supposed to be there if you have a sudden drop in revenues, like Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Newfoundland and Labrador have had because of the uh, the drop in oil prices. the way the program set up now, it didn't really help those provinces. And so all the premiers agreed that that should be fixed. That was a big ask from Kenny and Mo in particular. So they left happy with that. But no, they didn't even talk pipelines. They didn't talk Bill 21, which, you know, it's uh, really just a, uh, a contentious, bigoted bill out of Quebec, and there's nothing any of the premiers could do about it. So why talk about it? Uh, but they did, you know, agree on things like uh, calling for more money for health care, and most of them say, they don't want a national pharmacare program when the Fed still won't uh, uh, pony up what they're supposed to be paying for the existing health care system. Hmm. Well, it sounds like they, uh, they left the, you know, some of the biggest issues uh, untouched in, ter- in terms of uh, – but mind you, without the Fed's in on that meeting and stuff like that, I don't know how, much, how far they're going to go because it's, you know, they're such a big player in all this. I wanted to ask you about, the, while I got you on the line, the Alberta snub. Did, did, any thoughts about the fact that conservative MLAs actually walked out as Andrew Scheer uh, took the stage of the AGM? And uh, we 
they came out and said, look, I, he took the stage. It was silent. You know, people clearly uh, have very little love for Andrew Scheer. This is in Alberta. This is the place where a guy like Scheer should be popular. If you're not popular and you're no, conservatively. These, these were activists that walked out, uh, led by a guy named David Parker, who is on the periphery of the uh, federal conservative party. He was helping, last time I saw Parker, he was helping run a nomination in the Ottawa area. So he's not exactly uh, you know, a, uh, he's a guy that floats around. Uh, let, let's just say that he is uh, not a, uh, a, a Calgary-based uh, conservative. He's one of these activist floaters. Um, he led it. Uh, it doesn't look good, but most of the room, you know, I talked to plenty of people that were in there, were happy with Sheer, and he got a warm reception, which is a bit strange because he could have had a better reception and done better for himself, but he kind of screwed up. Uh, he was supposed to be there early. He was supposed to work the room before giving his speech. Many of the people at this convention will also be federal conservative uh, party members, and they'll vote on who to send as a delegate to Toronto in April for the, the leadership review. So he needs to be pressing the flesh with these people, shaking their hands, kissing babies, doing all the, all the things. His staff changed his flight to arrive at 745 p.m. on Friday. He was scheduled to speak at 8 p.m. Even though it, it was at an airport hotel very close to the Calgary airport, um, he still arrived an hour late for his speech and then left two hours later on a different flight out of town. You can't be doing that. You need to be making the case for why you get to stay. And if this is the effort that Andrew Shear is going to put in, he's going to be in trouble come April. But he's he hasn't replaced his comms people, right? I mean, he fired a couple of guys. Has he replaced those people? Uh, he's got um, uh, a young guy named Simon Jeffries working as the acting director of communications. Uh, Simon is someone that I know from Queens Park. He used to work for Doug Ford. He went up um, maybe four to six months ago to start working for the Shear guys in Ottawa. He's uh, very smart, very accomplished probably not ready for that decom type role yet uh and so someone else will need to come in uh same with the um the chief of staff he has not fully replaced that i i don't know why he didn't have replacements you know full-time replacements ready to go but he should have let's talk nato uh the the prime minister is in london his first meeting is with the latvians not exactly a huge player I mean, I don't know. Should I not be reading too much in this? I mean, I, you know, our standing, I feel that our standing in the world has been diminished under this prime minister. And then when I hear that his first meeting is with Latvia, we're talking only talking about a two-day conference here. I don't know, am I reading too much into this? You might be. Has our standing in the world diminished? I, I think to a certain degree it has. You know, I, I'm, I'm never one that buys into the Canada's a pariah. Canada's not welcome on the world stage. That was the liberal narrative during the Harper years. Uh, in the Trudeau years, I, I just think that we're not taken as seriously as we were when Stephen Harper was prime minister. But, you know, Canada is still an important player. Uh, why did he meet with the Latvians? Because we have troops there. We are part of a, a NATO mission called Operation uh, Reassurance, I believe it's called, to backstop the uh, Balkan countries to, um, uh, or sorry, the Baltic countries, 
to uh, backstop Central Europe. We currently have about 550 troops in Latvia as part of a multi-nation training mission. And we've had people in and out of there since about 2014. That, that was the purpose of that meeting today. But, uh, you know, when our defense minister won't say that China is an adversary, when French President Macron is saying that she's not an adversary, and when we have Turkey inside the alliance, and they are going to war with our Kurdish allies, I think that uh, you know we've got a lot of big questions around NATO. Um, you know, and the Americans are again. This is not just a Donald Trump thing. Presidents Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush the first, Reagan—they've all complained that Canada and other NATO allies do not live up to their spending commitments. We all say, as members of NATO, we will commit two percent of our GDP towards defense spending, and we haven't done that since maybe 1980. Uh, we've been under that almost every year, except for a few blips since the 1960s. Well, it sounds like those issues are bigger than the 500 troops that we've got in Latvia, but maybe that's—I <laughs> don't know—maybe that's just me. We'll see. Maybe he's got some meetings uh, lined up later on with bigger players. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, that's not an, a key issue—the fact that we have 500 troops over there—but it just sounds like there's other priorities in a two-day summit. But uh, Trump, on the other hand, he's just being Trump, uh, already weighing into the—he said he didn't want to weigh into the election, um, which, of course, the U.K. is in the midst of all that right now. But sure enough, he did over uh, the—he was asked about this trade issue, which seems to be one of the big clouds lurking over this this NATO. Even though it's a a NATO meeting, it seems the trade is the main issue. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of course, with the French now looking to uh, trade, well, levy a, a big digital tax on the likes of Google, uh, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, you know, all these all these companies. And Trump coming out and saying, well, wait a minute. No, y- you don't get to do that. We get to do If anybody's going to go after those companies, it's going to be us. So now they're looking at hammering the, the French with a big tax. So it seems like even though it's a NATO meeting, that this big trade issue is the one that is the thing that's kind of lurking over. And once again, it's the French versus the Americans. Americans, it seems like year after year, it's always an issue. Look, I, I, I think that we do need to start looking at taxing and regulating some of these tech companies. Uh, I can tell you that uh, they are uh, not on a level playing field. They have become media, media companies. And you know, I work for a media company that has to pay taxes, that has to follow certain regulations, has to follow certain rules, has to pay into certain government funds. 
that doesn't exist for these guys, but they are taking up a lot of revenue in Canada, and that's why you've got all the parties, including the Conservatives now, saying we need to do something. Uh, Canada's not alone in that, but the problem in Europe is that uh, they don't like capitalism, they don't like dynamic economies, and so every uh, tech company, you go back to the 90s and they were trying to take down Microsoft, uh, as soon as you get big in Europe, they want, and you're not European, then they want to take you down. So um, I can understand why Donald Trump would uh, would come to the defense, but uh, France will not be the only country looking to regulate or tax the the, uh, the the tech giants as they eat up a bigger and bigger chunk of our economy, uh, while not putting much of anything back into our respective local economies. Yeah, that's that's a good point about uh, our media companies really been getting hammered by some of these tech uh, firms. They're the, that's where all the ad dollars are going these days, and it's really hurt uh, companies like Post Media. But uh, thank you so much. Appreciate this, Brian. Thank you. Check out Brian's column today in the Toronto Sun. Uh, premiers unite on most things, but not pipelines. Well, it would have been nice to have united on pipelines, I'll tell you. Um, but uh, it's a contentious issue, so that's going to be dragged out. Got to take a quick time out. John McAtitian, who is a, a Conservative Party strategist, is going to be joining us on the other side of this break, so don't go away. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni radio program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with more news talk. So very glad you could join us on this edition of the Mark Petroni radio program. Yeah, Trump uh, not happy with Emmanuel Macron. Uh, Macron came out and basically described the military alliance as uh, brain dead. Well, I, there are issues with it. There's no question about that. We got John McAtitian on the line. Hello, hello. Hi, John. How are you? Great. Coming, us, coming to us from Dundas, Ontario, correct? Yes, sir. Well, I, I guess sheer. I, I mean, I've, I've had a couple of different perspectives now um, based on what happened in Alberta. He was uh, at an AGM, took the stage, and apparently some people walked out. Some conservatives walked out. Uh, according to Brian Lilly, they were fringe players. But uh, according to one eyewitness, it was quiet in the room. There was very little in the way of warmth towards Sheer, and that uh, that was one more indicator that uh, he's persona non grata and should step down. What do you think? Well, let me give you a little more uh, uh, interesting example. Um, you know, can- Canadians by nature are polite. And this vote that we're talking about is in April, so that's a long way off. So, uh, you know, I-, I would suggest that conservatives are more than willing to give anybody a second chance the question becomes, do they deserve it, and do they think it'll be any different next time? So last night in Toronto, there was a meeting of uh, candidates and campaign managers. Uh, that was the time for the debrief by the party. Cher was there. 
And afterwards, there was a reception. So we're talking about 80 ridings worth of people that were invited. Uh, apparently, the campaign manager room, which I was not in, was only half full. But I was at the reception that followed afterwards. And um, uh, wisely, it was a standing reception, so there would be no ability to say anybody stood or didn't stand for applause. But uh, tepid would be... Um, uh, the best word you could use to describe that meeting. Uh, Shear spoke at it, and he's got a couple great lines that he's using uh, about not listening to media pundits, and uh, which are, you know, those are a half dozen of us who might have fallen into that category <laughs> in the room. But what was fascinating was, well, apparently, I guess he doesn't want our votes, or he's not interested in knowing that we've been longtime conservatives, which is part of the reason why people ask us our opinions. And, um, you know, he didn't answer the fundamental questions. He didn't, uh, it was as if he was frozen on the night of the election, not understanding that he had lost and that he bore personal responsibility for part of that, uh, or he had learned anything from the experience. It was purely, I'm here to listen, we're, we're, we're here, we're not listening to detractors, but, but, but what does that mean other than, you know, he's stoically thinking he ought to stay in charge because he's in charge. My understanding is that he didn't get a chance to come in early. There was a, uh, a last-minute change in scheduling, and uh, he didn't get a chance to work the room, and, and that that may have contributed to the lackluster reception that he got, but... What, what I'm, no, 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 I mean, I mean, look. The, the reality is, there's always a lineup of people who uh, who uh, you know want to have their picture taken with the leader of the day. Uh, there's a lot of people who like Andrew. Who you know, I, I watched that dynamic when he did enter the room. Um, you know, that will always be the case. Um, you know, uh, I avoided that because I wasn't particularly in the mood to have my picture taken with him last night. But just before he left, and he, he worked the room thoroughly after, right? So he, they chose when he went up on stage and when he didn't. And, uh, you know, on his way out the door, he, you know, I was where I was standing was out of the way. So he went out of his way to shake hands and say hello to me, which is good and, and, and awesome. Uh, but, but it's not the substantive, you know, answer to the question that we all want. Nobody doubts that Andrew Scheer isn't one of the nicest guys in Parliament. The question is, is he a leader that can defeat Trudeau in the next election? And based on, you know, results to date, the answer is no. What do you make of this campaign by uh, a group called Conserv- mm. Conservative Victory? Um, they, uh, they're under uh, Corey Tanike and, and, and Jeff Ballingill is part of that. And they've started this campaign. Uh, this is obviously a grassroots campaign aimed at uh, you know, trying to push him out. Is this going to have much traction amongst conservatives, do you think? Uh, I think it will. Uh, I've been actually uh, amazed. Uh, certainly Jeff and um, Corey are you know, uh, well-known, well-established um, um, activists, backroom campaign professionals. Um, but, you know, you can... You can uh, announce you're doing a parade and walk down a street, but unless somebody's following you, it's not really a parade. It's just a guy going for a walk. <laughs> and in the case of these two guys, uh, they know how to mobilize. They know how to raise attention. Uh, 
Um, and But I'm not sure it's even needed. Um, there is an incredible feeling among the grassroots that uh, Shear's just not there. I mean, people are being, like even last night, he got polite applause. But afterwards, uh, a couple long-time Tory riding presidents that I know were getting ready to leave, and I kind of positioned myself by the door so I have maximum face time with people coming and going. And they were just grumpy, and I said, "What's what's uh, why the sad face?" And the answer was, "Was there anything not to be sad about? I came here for answers. I came here for an explanation, and I'm not hearing anything that I came to hear." So people came open-minded, and they left disappointed, unless they were already in the "Oh shucks, he's a nice guy. Give him another chance." Camp. Which you know, there's a that's a considerable group. I would say that probably represents one in four conservatives. The problem is that's nowhere near a majority vote. No, but is there a group that says that they would consider giving them another shot if, as I'm hearing now, if if they heard some of the right answers? Which is, yeah, I made some mistakes. I mean, he yeah, has I, said I, that. I think he, that is. I think that is fair. I think probably a third or more of the people who will be delegates, uh, if they saw corrective action, if they, you know, uh, I'll give you another example. He fired two of his highest profile staffers, uh, his chief of staff and his director of communications, uh, and, and I'm told also the campaign manager. So all that makes sense, except he didn't replace them with anybody, and those would have been his three strongest allies. Conversely, uh, two people in his office got promotions, uh, including the guy who uh, probably has a record for the most lies told <laughs> to people at the writing level in the country. So, uh, you know, it, what was fascinating about last night, not being in the meeting, but was listening to people come out, hearing how they were shocked to discover that they, their story of what they felt was wrong with the party during the campaign internally in the way of how poorly the campaign was led. They thought it was their story. But when the writings all got together for the first time, they discovered that it was widespread. And that there seemed to be nobody in the national campaign office who understood how to run a campaign properly. So that's pretty devastating. But one of the things I discovered was that if you weren't with Sheer on ballot one of 13 for the leadership, you weren't a core member in the war room. So Shear's campaign team in this last election didn't reach out to the 13 other campaigns. It didn't reach out to the conservatives uh, with campaign experience who weren't involved in the last leadership cycle for a variety of reasons. It was just a handful of people that were with them from the very beginning. And, you know, I'm going to suggest that the seeds of that mistake um, or pretty profound. And the problem for him now is, if offered the job, who would say yes to going in to help him when, you know, most smart money is on, it's already over for him. Yeah, and yet they can't push him out any sooner than that because six months is a long time to to have this cloud of leadership issues hanging over yeah, the party. It, it is. I mean, I've listened to some of the other people out there talking. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, you know, Corey, uh, Jenny Byrne, um, you know, people who have been on the other side of it. Uh, you she, know, she wants them out as well, then. not and, and the reality is that um, uh, the feeling is, you know, we're in this now, right? Like, the only conversation that matters at delegate selection meetings, at annual meetings, at any kind of party gathering, um, the whole focus is around the review vote uh, heading into an important convention for us. And it's not till April. So the only solution prior to that would be for Sheer to step down. And I'm not sure, I mean, I would like to think that he would put party first, but I'm not sure he has it in him, or I'm not sure that he's that aware how widespread the dissatisfaction is. Really? Well, how could he not be aware of something like that? I mean, well, you know, famously, Malker, you know, got thrown out by his party, and nobody saw that one coming. So I can't imagine how, you know, he loses a vote in April, and anybody would be surprised. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like uh, these. we've got this leader who's sort of in a bubble, you know, with just completely detached from reality of what, what people are talking about. And somebody who seems to have a hard time accepting his complicity in the loss. It's, it's almost as if to say, well, it was somebody else's fault. Uh, I got bad advice. Or I mean, at the end of the day, the buck has to stop with him. He had his shot. And... Uh, well, that's... See, that, that's where to be fair, right? I mean, some of that is true, right? You take bad advice. Well, yeah, but you, you took it, right? And, and it's often <laughs> the advisors that pay a price or are uh, appointed to as the problem. Mm. The reality is that in the word leadership, the, the important part of it is leader, right? So there's the, you know, so if you go to something like I just gave you the example of how insular and closed uh, shop his team was in the last election, did he not know in the last two years, as the leader, that he became the leader, not of one of 13 camps, but the leader of all of them? Would he not have been smart enough on his own without needing the advice of anyone to say, maybe there's one good person from every other campaign I should bring over and build a stronger, better team? That, that's, that's what uh, Bill Davis did. That's what Mike Harris did. That's what uh, Ford did. And, you know, that, that's what most successful leaders do. And it certainly wasn't the, uh, you know, that certainly wasn't what Shear did. Yeah, and what yeah. kind of a leader does that make him? Were he to win, I mean, if he becomes prime minister, what does that say about his ability to lead the country? I mean, beyond, forget winning an election. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What kind of a leadership, what kind of leadership style would we expect from this guy, assuming he, he ascends to the top mm -hmm. job? Right. So, and, and this has becomes the, the telling point, right? Like, that's where, you know, I, I watched here on stage last night, and again, 
he's as smiley and as happy and as cordial and as nice as you could ask for. The problem is people increasingly don't trust it, right? And I, and I, you know, I, I want to believe, and, and, and check that, right? I want to believe that all the negative things that were said about him by the other can, candidates and campaigns were wrong. But, but were they? If now we don't even know what to trust with him, and, and we're many weeks since the election, and he's still not unequivocal on the you know four main points that took him down during the campaign. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, uh, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, uh, he seems to be hanging. He seems to be wanting to hang in, John. I mean, well, you, you know, he's well, look, it, it, look, there was only one way for that to or two ways. One would be for him to have the self-realization that it's over and resign. The second was that opportunity at caucus which, again, is a fascinating example in democracy, where, think of this, uh, we, we, when you say democracy, what's synonymous with that in uh, you know, Canadian experience is a secret ballot, right? You may tell your family who you're voting for or your significant other, but when you go into, a bo- uh, into the ballot booth and you mark your X next to whoever you want to, ultimately it's only you and that piece of paper that actually know who you voted for. That wasn't the case in the caucus meeting. They, they forced people to stand up publicly in the caucus meeting and declare how they were going to vote. There was no secret ballot. There should have been. And they twisted the rules so that it would be a public vote. That's why Shear withstood that potential challenge, because they fixed the rules. And, you know, now there's some people that are, I mean, I heard Corey uh, saying, uh, people are concerned that the that somehow the convention uh, vote will be uh, corrupted, which which I'm not willing to believe. Mm. But it'll certainly make sure that more and more people bring light to that and want to watch a public uh, process somehow. Yeah. So that's that's the depth that things are starting to uh, sink to, sadly. Well, we appreciate your input and your, your expertise on this matter, John. Thank you so much. My pleasure. John McEtishan, he's a Conservative Party strategist coming to us from Dundas, Ontario. And uh, I see that Justin Trudeau is uh, speaking. Uh, it, it looks like it's a convention of stuff. Well, I don't know if it's a it's a, uh, a discussion involving a crowd. He's with the, uh, the head of the leader of the Netherlands at the moment. So maybe we'll have a little bit about uh, that when we return after the break. Don't go away. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with more News Talk. So very glad you could join us on the um, Mark Petroni uh, Radio Show. Really appreciate you being part of it. You can give us a call if you'd like, uh, 416-640-0200. We've got uh, Justin Trudeau. In London, let's hear what he's chatting about. 
women, uh, but there's uh, much more in terms of inclusion that we need to do, and uh, okay. uh, we are pushing on NATO, and I know uh, Mark certainly uh, supports. On on the second, uh, second element, uh, young people need to know that they can and must actively shape the future by the things they do today. Uh, you're not leaders of tomorrow, you're leaders today, being here today and making sure that this message is getting out to young people who want to see the world change and be a better place uh, and are looking for levers to do it, well, coming out here today is a great piece of it. Watching it online is a great piece of it. I, I, I agree with that. And it is difficult this is the, to get uh, more of a president in, in of senior the positions in the military. We are working on that, but it is not easy. We have at least had now the last three senior politicians were women, and the present minister and state secretary are all right, women. So they're talking about gender equality and the in NATO and all that stuff. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the markets because uh, there are some big moves. Uh, the Dow is down 400 points. That's the biggest drop in a couple of months. And that's basically on uh, word that Trump may hold off on a deal with China. I think uh, President Trump thinks that China is on the ropes. And so he wants to uh, continue keeping them on the ropes. He thinks that China needs a deal more than they do. And so if the Chinese are in trouble, then maybe he can extract more concessions from them. And so I think that's really – this is a negotiating tactic on his part. But if you're an investor, then you're seeing uh, some of your stocks uh, get hammered today. Uh, the, the NASDAQ, which took a hit yesterday, down again today, one and a third percent. The uh, broader market down almost one and a half percent. And uh, well, what can I tell you? Some of the bigger movers out there. I mean, I think he had some things to say about Boeing and, and the facts that he was going to tax Airbus, uh, he figured was a good move for Boeing and the Boeing should be happy about that. Not that he was taking a great deal of joy in doing it, but he, he did mention that during the news conference that he had in London, um, so that some of the things that he was going to do were, go, were designed to help uh, American companies. Um, looking over at oil, oil is also down, but uh, not a lot, maybe down a quarter percent, not as much as you would expect on a day that the broader market is down almost 1.5 percent. So oil down maybe one quarter of one percent, down 14 cents on West Texas Intermediate. Brent is down about a quarter. Uh, so it's down, down about 0.4 percent. So not uh, not any big moves, but uh, you are seeing some big moves on gold and silver. So precious metals uh, up night smartly today. Up gold's almost up one percent, so fourteen dollars and twenty cents up to uh, one thousand four hundred eighty-four dollars uh, an ounce U.S. Obviously, uh, silver also up, uh, but one point seven eight percent to uh, seventeen dollars and thirteen cents. So that's the situation market-wise south of the border, as the uh, as investors as uh, Stock traders weigh the implications of uh, of the fact that Trump now says it might be better to wait until after the 2020 election to sign some kind of a deal with uh, with China, and uh, that seemed to come out of the blue because there had been you know a fair amount of uh, optimism around a deal coming together. So now I, I guess uh, the the president's saying, well, maybe not so fast. Maybe maybe I'll just hold off. So is this? Is this a negotiating ploy on his part, in which case maybe this uh, drop will be short-lived and then we'll see uh, markets rip higher after some kind of reaction tomorrow? But at the moment, um, if you believe what the president has said, then 
there may not be a deal until after a 2020 election. Because, I mean, for the longest time, we thought that the Chinese were going to wait until after the 2020 election, anticipating that maybe Trump might lose and that they would get a much more hospitable, much more compliant leader of the Democrat Party in the position of president. On this side of the border, we're down, but not nearly as much, down about 81 points on the TSX. So that's the situation. Uh, We're not moving nearly as much to the downside as they are south of the border. But as is often the case, we certainly do feel the draft of what's going on south of the border. As as Bank of Montreal now announcing some job cuts, uh, trying to trim costs. I mean, uh, I'm hearing some nightmare scenarios from some of the banks, particularly Deutsche Bank, and, you know, that, these are banks that may suffer uh, mightily in the next little while. There's a, there's a bank in Japan as well that is uh, teetering on the brink, or so we are told. And so that there are some concerns in the financial community to the degree that that might be felt uh, in Canada. I don't know. We have what I believe to be pretty solid banking institution, financial institutions, highly regulated institutions. So you don't. Uh, anticipate that they're going to be facing the same kind of pressures as they are internationally. But um, here we are uh, seeing an example of one bank here, one of the big... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Big ones. Bank of Montreal now taking uh, an opportunity to cut costs, job cuts, lay people off, and... uh, just uh, move towards a more efficient operation. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out because we've got Miles Kristen. Uh, is he on the line yet? Okay, perfect. He's on the lines. This is great. Uh, looking forward to chatting with Miles. Uh, smart guy. He's with uh, Wisconsin International Radio. He's got some thoughts about Trump's performance uh, in London, as well as uh, military spending. How, why, why it is that countries like Canada have been allowed to be laggards in that regard. All that's coming your way after this, so don't go away. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management.
back with Hour 2 of the Mark Petroni Radio Program right here on Saga 960. So very glad that you could join us on the show. And uh, we're joined by a very smart guy, Miles Kristen, uh, reaching us from Madison, Wisconsin. He is with Wisconsin International Radio, and we appreciate him being here. Uh, Miles, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's hear a little bit from Donald Trump uh, in London earlier. Okay, he's, asked, he's being asked about NHS, the, the National Health Service in Britain, and whether or not he's going to try to destroy it if there's a post-Brexit deal between the United States and uh, the UK. really running well, and if we, get, if we get elected, if we take the House, keep the Senate, keep the White House, we'll have phenomenal health care. But right now, we've made it very good, and we have 180 million people on plans that they absolutely love, private plans that they absolutely love. But in this country, no, they have to work that out for themselves. We have absolutely, I don't even know where that room is started. We have absolutely nothing to do with it. And we wouldn't want to. If you handed it to us on a silver platter, we want nothing to do with it. So uh, I'll stay out of the election. Uh, you know that I was a fan of Brexit. I called it the day before. I was opening up Turnberry. The day before Brexit, you were there. Many of you were there. I mean, I recognize that many of you were there. And they asked me whether or not Brexit would happen. I said yes, and everybody smiled and they laughed. And I said yes, it's going to happen, in my opinion. It was just my opinion. The next day they had the election, and I was right. Well, no shortage of braggadocio there by the president. But, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, this is Trump. Either you love that sort of thing. and. I happen to think it's great. I, I think it's refreshingly honest on his part. Uh, there's certainly no shortage of bombast there or, or braggadocio, but uh, that's Trump for you. Uh, but uh, he's got some – I think he's got some fair points to make on the issue of military funding while he's in London saying that uh, you guys are not carrying your weight. He has come up with some deals with countries like Canada, but at the end of the day, you were asking me about why it is that we don't have the same levels of debt up here as the United States does. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to defending uh, this country. We know that if we get in any trouble, Miles, you guys are going to have to come to our rescue because <laughs> Lord knows we don't have the military to defend ourselves. Well, and, and- the private contractor and companies, the military defense contractors, I mean, they take advantage of the government so much and have been doing for, for decades and decades and decades of overcharging and, you know, backroom deals. And, you know, it's, it's the revolving door between politicians and people working in those sectors and the cronyism. And, and there's just so many billions and billions and billions of wasted dollars that go into defense spending. Yeah, and the result is a 13, well, I'm sorry, what are you, $23 trillion debt. I mean, yeah. the, the, the country is, I, don't, I hate to say bankrupt, but I don't, I don't see how you can recover from something like that. And, and your, deficit, your deficits are bigger than our debt. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like your annual, your annual deficits are, yeah. are bigger it's, than it's our insane. national I mean, debt. It's, 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 military is a huge part, if not one of the biggest parts. Um, you know, our, our entitlement spending, our, there's a lot of reasons why we're in debt, and we never really even get into the whole issues about Federal Reserve or fiat currency or how the you know, banking and treasury system in the United States work. But, 
it's like if you looked back to the the founding fathers and all the people you know hundreds of years ago who were adamantly opposed to the idea of how we run our monetary system in this country it's insane <laughs> yeah absolutely now and now i guess in london uh, he's picking a fight with or that maybe the french have picked a fight, a fight with uh, america but i guess the deal is they want to come after the tech companies they want to tax google they want to tax uh, you know amazon and facebook go after some of these uh, tech companies and and uh, the president is coming out and saying well no well no you don't no you you do that we're going to hammer you with uh with taxes of our own, we're going to hit your wine and your cheeses, all the stuff that, you know, all those products that we love to get some Fran- from France. And so there's a, you know, that's kind of the cloud hanging over the NATO meetings now. It's not so much, it's partly the military stuff, but it's now, it's, it's, it's between, tr- it's trade now. And the thing about what's going on with China is that the Europeans now see what's going on between Trump and the Chinese. Now with Trump coming out and saying, well, you know what, maybe I'll wait until after the 2020 election to cut a deal with the Chinese. I don't have to do it right now. Boom, the markets are getting hammered today. But what it tells the Europeans, I think, is that this guy means business. You know, if he's willing to do that to the Chinese, he's willing to do that to us. Yeah, and as far as the tech companies, I mean, there's no doubt they have a a serious bias against conservatives. And and, and sometimes the tech companies are also attacking um, the more anti-war people on the left, things like that. You can see censorship on on both sides, but um, the tech companies, it's like, are they really private companies, but they take in public money and they get subsidies and a lot of tax dollars going to these tech companies. So there is a a fair debate about whether or not to regulate them in some aspect. Yeah, I mean, maybe some of these countries have a point. But Trump is coming out and saying, well, wait a minute, there are companies. If anybody's going to go after them, it's going to be us. He says, I'm not a big fan of, of Google, not a big fan of Facebook. And he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay on Twitter, but at the end of the day, you know, you don't touch these guys. I'm going to touch them. <laughs> it's like this kind of almost mob type of thing, you know, going on. Hey, that's my territory. Back off. And so he's now threatening the French with, I think it's uh, one and a half billion dollars in in uh, in tariffs, but I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, I, you wonder: is this stuff thought out, or is, is, does he just come up with this stuff because he, you know, kind of wakes up in the, on the wrong side of bed in the morning? You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I mean, there's no doubt with Trump. A lot of it is spur of the moment, and you know, some people think he's this grand chess master and everything and it's like no he might he might be a lot smarter than some of the democrats but that's pretty uh <laughs> that's not a pretty <laughs> so that's not, not saying a pretty much. high bar to, to go over well i i'm pretty sure he's smarter than our guy up here i mean uh who got a meeting with latvia i was kind of laughing about it a little bit because you know our, our J- justin trudeau uh, managed to it's, it's a two day summit with twenty nine members and, and we get uh, we get to meet with Latvia which isn't a, exactly a huge player. Uh, the colleague of mine was was mentioning that well you know we do have some troops in Latvia but as far as I know we're not planning on removing those troops but you know th- th- meanwhile Trump is meeting with uh, you know with the big guys. Let's hear a little bit of what he had to say because uh, he took a shot at Emmanuel Macron after Macron criticized NATO is being quote unquote brain dead. We've got things really running well and if we get if we get elected, if we take the house, keep the senate, keep the white house, 
we'll have phenomenal health care. Well, right talking now, about health care again. Very good. And we have it gets on to brain. Million people on plans that they absolutely love, private plans that they absolutely love. He gets on love. to uh, the brain dead time country, a little you know, They have on. to work that out for themselves. We have absolutely, I don't even know where that rumor started. We have absolutely nothing to do with it, and we wouldn't want to. If you handed it to us I love this bit where he, you know, he says we wouldn't, want, I would say wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Needs NATO Here he more is. Than France. You just look back over the last... Long period of so time. So he's ribbing the, Fran- the French here over the the World War II, getting attacked. And frankly, and getting uh, the one that benefits defeated by Germany really the least three weeks. is the United States. We benefit the least. We're helping Europe. Europe unites and they go against a common foe. Uh, that may or may not be a foe. Can't tell you that. But there are other foes out there also. But I think nobody needs it more than France. And that's why I think that when France makes a statement like they made about NATO, that's a very dangerous statement for them to make. But I do- okay, so his, his thing is, look, uh, after uh, what happened to France in the Second World War, you know, they should be the last ones should, who should be complaining about NATO and, and building alliances with other countries. So he's, he's ribbing. You know, he doesn't... Uh, what does he varnish his words? I mean, the, the guy, there's nothing subtle about what this guy does or says. He's coming at you with both barrels every single time he opens his mouth. Miles? What's funny to me about about NATO is it was only about five or six years ago, there was a, a big NATO summit here, well, in Chicago, and there were major protests uh, against NATO. So you have, like, a huge, you know, protest you know, of NATO here in the United States. And then, you know, Trump comes out with all his criticisms of NATO as he's running for president and uh, while he's president. And and, uh, and yet you don't hear anything from those protesters about NATO. It's like if Trump's against something, then you kind of have the people be quiet about their own problems with that organization, too. Granted, a lot of them were protesting NATO for, you know, maybe different reasons, but still. What's the state of the Democrats now? It, it seems like when I see Trump, body language-wise, and I don't know how much of that is real, but the guy has more confidence than I've ever seen him. I mean, he, he just seems to go in there 100% gangbusters, has no fear about being impeached, no fear about losing the election. It's just he's 100% confident. Does he have reason for that confidence based on what you've seen from the Democrats now with, with Bloomberg jumping into the race and now with Hillary? I, I still, I guess... At one point, still thinking about it? Is that what's going on there? I, I imagine he's very confident he'll win. I mean, the Electoral College is definitely in his favor. The Every one of these candidates, minus uh, Tulsi Gabbard, every one of these candidates has major flaws. We talked about how Pete Buttigieg has, Pete Buttigieg has no support in the African-American community. I mean, Elizabeth Warren's a proven liar. Uh, Kamala Harris has a horrible track record. Um, the, and the biggest thing about it I'm just surprised by is that the Democrats aren't roundly rejecting certain people like Joe Biden, the fact that he's actually, you know, in the lead with his 30 percent when, you know, 70 percent of the party is against him, or, or the fact that uh, Bloomberg, who supported stop and frisk, or, well, you know, was big into stop and frisk, isn't you know being rejected more uh, more? It's just the fact that they have these really 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 bad candidates, and the party is just kind of like, well, if he ends up being the guy, he's going to be my guy, and it's just like. <laughs> 
Last question while I got you on the line. Uh, out of left field, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I guess back in hospital, um, or has she been released from hospital? I don't know, but clearly not a well lady um, and aged, you know, at the risk of sounding crass here, if if she dies, you know, at this stage in the Trump presidency, does he make a move to replace her? And what can he expect in the way? I mean, we saw what happened with Brett Kavanaugh. It was a battle royale. Oh, yeah. It would be exactly like that. He wouldn't wait at all to replace her. It would be a lot like that. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe you could argue that he would wait till after the election because that'd be easier for him in some way. But considering what happened the last time around, um, you know, he he would probably uh, pick another person, and and the Democrats would shoot themselves in the foot, and all the Democrats <laughs> running for senator, all Democratic senators running for president would use it to, um, you know, try to uh, make themselves known. And and the thing about Ruth Bader Ginsburg that's so weird, I don't get, is she has become this pop culture icon in the United States. There's a movie about her that came out recently. I was literally just Christmas shopping the other day. They've got like a cal- like a cartoon calendar with her. I've seen uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg as like uh, you know, RBG and like little like figurines. Like she is this pop culture figure of the last two or three years down here and it doesn't make any sense. It's like ask these same people is like what is what is a, a case that she uh, you know, ruled on where, what is, what specifically about her is it that people like so much? And it's just like, what, because she's a woman on the Supreme court. She's not the only woman on the Supreme court. Cause uh, I mean, yeah, you got Sotomayor it, 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 and, I don't see the, what the major appeal is about her. It's just like, uh, the Democrats are just kind of using her as a, a figurehead. Well, I guess she, she's a liberal. I mean, I, and she's progressive. I think maybe that's why they see her as somebody that they can rally behind. I don't know, but it'd be, it would be interesting if anything happens to her over the next month or two, if she even makes it into the new year. I, I'm not, I mean, she could hold on, but um, it would be interesting to see because of course, there is that sort of rule that presidents don't appoint somebody in the last year or half a year of their of their mandate. I think Obama had a similar issue, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think Trump really follows uh, <laughs> rules. Miles, thank you so much. Really appreciate this, as always. No problem. Thanks for having me. Miles Kristen from Wisconsin International Radio, coming to us from Madison in the great state of Wisconsin. Lots more to come on News Talk, so don't go away. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk, Saga 960. And we are back with more News Talk, so very glad you could join us on this edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program. Give us a call if you'd like to chat about anything you've seen or, well, not seen, you've... (laughs) You probably wouldn't have seen it. Uh, you might have heard it on radio or online. Um, but uh, our number is 416-640-0200. 
Well, I guess Prince Andrew in more hot water. And this is great because we've got uh, tomorrow we've got London Calling with Graham Elson, and I know he's going to want to weigh in on uh, the ongoing issues with Prince Andrew. Just the interview, I guess, with uh, Virginia Roberts Jufri, now just getting worse and worse all the time. Um, the New York Post actually has some video of her. Let's let's give this a listen. It's uh, kind of throwing uh, caution to the wind here. It was a really scary time in my life. The BBC speaks to the woman who says she was forced to have sex with Prince Andrew, an allegation the prince categorically denies. He knows what happened. I know what happened. And there's only one of us telling the truth. Panorama, the Prince and the Epstein scandal, oh Monday my. at nine on BBC One. Yeah, well, she came out, I guess, and said that uh, the sex was quick and disgusting. Uh, that's how she described it. Now, there's a story today. Prince Andrew's sex accuser says in a, a new interview that uh, their first time in bed was, quote, quick and disgusting. It didn't last very long. Uh Boy, and she, I guess she was very tearful during that interview. And uh, she basically said, this is Virginia Roberts Jufri telling the BBC in a sit-down interview that did, it did air yesterday. He wasn't mean or anything. Now she's 36 years old. She's the mom of three, but she was, I guess she was 17 at the time. He got up and said thanks and walked out. Kind of those wham, bam, thank you, ma'am type deal. Let's, let's listen a little bit to that interview. But. He got up and he said thanks and walked out. And I sat there in bed just horrified and ashamed and felt dirty. And I had to get up and go have a shower. And, you know, the next day, Ghislaine tells me I did a really good job. It was a wicked time in my life. It was a really scary time in my life. I had just been abused by a member of a royal family. So when you talk about these chains... You know, yeah, I wasn't chained to a sink, but these powerful people were my chains. I didn't know what could happen. And I just, I didn't, I couldn't comprehend how on the highest levels of the government and powerful people were allowing this to happen, not only allowing it to happen, but participating in it. Prince Andrew, you're toast, man. I tell you, not, not good. Anyway, so you heard her on a very tearful interview, and um, well, he wasn't mean, but uh, just got up and said, well, thanks a lot. That was all right. And then uh, she was a former sex slave of, uh, of Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein rather, and uh, Epstein sex trafficked her to the prince three times, according to her, because he has denied this, by the way. But it started in 2001 when she was 17. Jufree said she was instructed by Epstein's alleged fixer, socialite Ghislaine Maxwell, to do for Andrew what I do for Jeffrey. And that made me sick. Well, it makes me sick, frankly. I mean, uh, could be your daughter, you know what I mean? Uh, it just, I just didn't expect it from royalty, as you heard her say. And I didn't expect it from some, someone that people look up to and admire. Dave on the line. We got, uh, we got Dave on the line. Dave, what's going on, brother? How you doing, anchor baby? Hey, I'm, I'm in. What do you think of this slime ball, man? I, Prince Andrew, I tell you, he's accused, he's not convicted of anything, and he is denying this stuff. But man, it's, it's just... 
it's so sordid. Nobody should be shocked by it, but there it is. I think um, we had this conversation last week. He's basically going to walk, and if they go and try and tap in on him, he's just going to basically shove it off. He's royal. We're nobody. If it was you or me accused, we'd all be in jail. Oh, my That's gosh. That's not why I called. Can you imagine? No, oh, go ahead. Why, why did you call? So, so uh, Mark Carney was, is going to be yep. working for Trudeau. He's going to be our climate change banker. <laughs> yeah. So so I want someone to explain to me how much he's going to be getting paid, how many people are going to be working under him, and how this climate change money is going to be benefiting any of us. Yeah, Mark Carney was in England. He was... Um what was his title? Not exchequer. He was governor of the Bank of England. Yeah. Governor of the Bank of England. So he's an important guy, touted by some as being the next leader of the Liberal Party. So uh, he would be one of the guys that liberals would look to as somebody, you know, a, a lot smarter than Justin Trudeau. Uh, you know, a little bit more credibility, a lot more credibility. You know, he wasn't the drama teacher. This guy has degrees. And uh, he had an important position with the Bank of England. And you're right. He was going to be moved into a uh, role involving um, climate change and, uh, and then the U.N. And so, you know, I, I don't know. This, this suggests, you know, this, this, you know where this is going, uh, Dave? This is going towards, uh, towards a huge tax, a global tax, right? Right. <laughs> a global car. That's really what I mean. That's where I see it going. This yeah, is well, like they want change is supposed to be for changing your climate, not uh, making more people rich. He's the special United Nations special envoy for climate change and action and finance. So that uh, you know, put two and two together here, and what you've got here a global climate tax. No, two and two equals poor, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and also uh, I was reading something online today that S and C got some uh, some deal in China. Oh, really? For, for some pre-water treatment stuff. Well, is this quid pro quo for uh, Huawei? I mean, <laughs> did, can you, <laughs> is that where this is going? You know, is, is has there been some kind of a backroom deal made with, with the with the liberals saying, "Look, we'll uh, we'll allow uh, Huawei's infrastructure uh, in the five G rollout if you guys uh, give SNC Lavalin a break." You yeah, know, is that, because Justin we couldn't. Trudeau's going to be running in China next. <laughs> <laughs> because we couldn't give them their uh, deferred prosecution agreement, so we got to cut them another break, and maybe we can help them. You know, it's just this stuff just stinks to high heaven, doesn't it? Oh yes, yeah, more than just stinks, Mark. We're and, being we're being raked over the coals, and people are just laying down and taking it, listening to the mainstream media with all their talk shows saying, "Oh, we're so conservative. You're conservative." Well, <laughs> the, give Mark a call. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, we're a little different than a lot of the other guys. But, you know, I, you, you could see corporations, they're just, uh, you know, the cloud of these guys is hanging over some of these uh, former radio hosts who, are cons- who were conservative. And I think they still are. I think, but they, they are seriously constricted in terms of what they, they can say. And uh, as a result, I think a lot of those people are gravitating towards this program. So that's, um, I, I welcome it. Bring it, you know. Exactly, and and the funny thing is, is that um, they're all taking government money, and they're all they're all talking about, oh, how we can only say certain things on the radio, but yet, oh, we can't we can't accuse anyone of anything, but yet when it comes to Donald Trump, with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. They're just laying it on the line. Yeah. I keep hearing how. He- Epstein was a friend of Donald Trump's. He, he went to Mar-a-Lago. But not once did they talk about Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't Trump who flew on the Lolita Express 26 times. It's amazing. They, they did have, I mean, they were photographed together. But I think as soon as Trump saw what Epstein was up to, was that what Epstein was up to? I mean, he said, there's no, I don't, this, I'm not going anywhere near this. Because can you, can you imagine if there was anything related to this sex trafficking stuff involving Trump, then Trump would be out of office right now. They would have destroyed him. The fact that they couldn't find anything except maybe a couple of pictures with him and Epstein in it. Then that that tells you that really he didn't have much of a relationship with him at all, especially not when you look at uh, the stuff coming out now involving Prince Andrew. I mean, gadzooks. I mean, that is ugly stuff. But there's a lot more to it, though, isn't it? Because I mean, Epstein wasn't killed just because of what happened uh, with uh, with Prince Andrew. I mean, there was a lot of big names involved, and there's there were. Uh, well, let's just say it was a blackmailing operation, right? It was used in order to trap some of these big people, so these, some of these, in order to to control them, you know. And uh, so there was it was like a honeypot type of deal where you've got young, very young girls involved in these uh, sex trafficking operations run by Epstein, and, but it was also used as a way to blackmail and to control people of power. And so when you play that game and then you end up in jail and then, you know, uh, you start talking about maybe cutting a deal in order to save yourself, well, that's when you end up dead. Yeah, Mark, but just on one other note, the girl in the picture actually said Donald Trump was the nicest guy. He never laid a hand on her. But the media doesn't bring that out into the open, do they? No, of course not. It doesn't play into their uh, their narrative that Trump is exactly. is a terrible guy and he needs to go. But I tell you, Trump has held, has held his own against all of this. I mean, imagine who could have survived the onslaught by the deep state and by the media. I mean, the Democrat Party is going to come after you with everything they got anyway. But when you've got incredible forces aligned against you, for him to have fought that up, I mean, you can quibble all you want about the guy's style and his brash and his brash and is BSing sometimes. But at the end of the day, he has survived. I mean, that is truly saying something, considering the forces aligned against him. Well, the reason is that the truth always comes out in the end, and those who speak the truth will be believed. And those who don't want to believe the truth will always try and hide it. Dave, thank you for your call. Really appreciate this. Later, Anchor Baby. Take care. Bye-bye now. That is uh, Dave, and we've got uh, another half hour left. And uh, we've got a little bit of a Christmas thing coming up. And uh, with uh, with some guests who uh, have an event coming up, you know what? Give it a listen uh, because you know it is that time of year, 
and we have to support people and we have to support those who are less fortunate than ourselves. That's coming up after this, so don't go away. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. Listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416 640 0200. That's 416 640 0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with more News Talk. So very glad you could join us for this last 25 minutes of the Mark Petroni Radio Program right here on Saga 960. We're so glad that you could join us. Say, tune in for News Talk Saga 960 this Thursday for a special day game for the Raptors 905 as they take on the Long Island Nets at Scotiabank Center in downtown Toronto. Join Matt Cullen and Jason Tom for all the action starting with the pregame at 10.45 a.m., which means they'll be taking 15 minutes of my show. I'm okay with that around this time of year. What do you think? You guys basketball game, basketball fans? Of course you are. (laughs) Everybody's a basketball fan, especially uh, the Raptors 905. Okay, I'm now joined by Dan Meadowcroft and Imran Hassan. Uh, These guys are doing yeoman's work in terms of raising... Uh, food, you know, helping people who are needy around this time of year. Uh, it's it's particularly tough for families who are uh, trying to get by, uh, you know, just during the during the year normally, and then comes Christmas time, especially when you're talking about kids. You know, it's it's really tough for people who uh, um, don't have the same kind of means as others do. And so, these two gentlemen are involved in a campaign. The Streetsville Christmas Breakfast is coming up. Is it coming up? No. Yes, it is. It's coming up on the 7th, and uh, they're also involved in the food bank. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. All right. Talk a little bit about your campaign. You're, you're uh, raising money right now for food. Is that correct? And, and it's, an, it's an opportunity for people to bring non-perishables in? Yeah. Mark, this is the 11th year that we have, uh, through Twas the Bike Before Christmas, with a series of events that we have. And tonight's our big event, actually. Tonight's our turkey dinner, our sold-out turkey dinner. We have 600 people coming, uh, celebrity servers. we got a great uh, comedian on tonight. And uh, it's our 11th year. We also have a ladies' night, a bad hombres' night, uh, rock and docks on the weekend. And, of course, this coming Saturday, we have the Streetsville Breakfast for Eden Food for Change. And... Um, over the years, uh, Mark, I guess over the last 11 years, we've, we've probably provided over a million meals, some 30 tons of food. And uh, we also have a big turkey drive. And, and this year, we'll, we will be donating over 500 turkeys to the cause. All right. Well, you know, it's, it's tough, though. I mean, last time I spoke with Mayor Bonnie Crombie and about her campaign, uh, she was saying, saying that it's, it's been particularly difficult for seniors. 
Yeah, right see, to, seniors are having a big problem today. And uh, actually, Imran, maybe you can uh, uh, update. Uh, I, I know the need has gone up instead of going down. Uh, I think we're up about 15%. Uh, one in four children go to school without breakfast. It, it's a it's sad very, state very of sad, Very, very sad. Talk about that. Well, listen, uh, Dan, thanks very much for uh, bringing uh, that uh, you know, to to the forefront of this conversation. At the end of the day, uh, you know, eleven years ago, this initiative was taken by uh, Dan Mattercroft, uh, you know, uh, our our friends at uh, Twas the Bite Before Christmas to help give a hand up to the community in need. And eleven years later, there's an, a report that just came out in uh, in the Toronto Star that said, you know, the dependency on food banks has increased by sixteen percent. And this is unthinkable. And at the end of the day, we're doing what we can to give up, uh, to give a hand up to the community in need by raising awareness for food banks. And uh, and every year uh, we we add an event. Uh, we've done a, a ladies' night. We've done a uh, a gentlemen's night. We've done the launch. Uh, there's the dinner that Dan uh, referred to. And uh, and recently we added uh, to the series of "Twas the Bite Before Christmas" the Streetsville Christmas breakfast. Uh, uh, and last year at the at, at the inaugural event, uh, we raised five thousand dollars for the food bank. Great. Well, excellent. That's pretty good. I want to listen. Uh, just uh, hang in. Don't go away. But uh, Justin Trudeau now is actually in a news conference with uh, Donald Trump. Let's listen a little bit to what's going on. In uh, Latvia, we're leading the command mission in Baghdad. Uh, Canadians are a strong part of this alliance and will continue to be. But uh, this is just a great opportunity for me to uh, sit down uh, uh, with the President and uh, talk about the many issues in which uh, we align and we work together. It's a great pleasure to I believe very strongly in very, very crystal clear, clean water and clean air. That's a big part of climate change. I also see what's happening with our oceans, where certain countries are dumping unlimited loads of things in and they float. They tend to float toward the United States. I see that happening and nobody's ever seen anything like it. And it's gotten worse. Uh, but no, it's very important to me also. But I want clean air and clean water. That would be... Uh, Number one and number two. All right, so so there you go. Um, it's Donald Trump. Looks like uh, Justin Trudeau did get a big meeting after all. <laughs> he has I said a few words. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was I was poking fun at him because uh, he got his his first one was with Latvia. So I thought well, I guess the Latvian uh, president drew the short straw. But I thought well you could do a little bit better than that. But here he is bagging the big one. So good for Justin. For getting an interview with, well, an interview, a meeting with uh, with President Trump, and now he's got uh, he's in the midst of a news conference live from London. Well, they're moving up, and they're moving up substantially, and they're starting to do very well economically, and that has something to do with it. And yeah, they're getting up uh, to a level that's getting to be very acceptable. They have been under the two percent, obviously. Uh, but All right, so he's talking about military spending. I'm satisfied, Mr. President. 
Excuse me? Do you plan to discuss Huawei? Uh, we'll discuss that, yes, we'll discuss that. <laughs> we'll be discussing that, yes. What, what's your message to the Prime Minister about Huawei and using it in the next generation cell phone networks in Canada? Well, we find a security problem with it, and, you know, and Canada is uh, going to make a decision at some point. But we find, I, I just speak for the United States, and we have ability to do a lot of things. We've actually advanced very far on 5G, much further than anyone really knows. Uh, AG Pai has headed it up, and he's very good, and uh, we have a lot of a lot of action going on with respect to 5G. Uh, we're not using Huawei, and we're uh, we're really uh, some of the some of our great companies are getting much involved with 5G right now. But no, we find a tremendous security problem with respect to Huawei. Mr. President, talk on the nuclear issue. All right, so uh, thank you for for your patience, guys. I I had to cut away there because it's not every day that you see uh, Trump and Trudeau in a news conference uh, from London. So it's it's for their for their NATO meeting, but we are talking about uh, right stuff that's going on right here in Mississauga at Brampton. Uh, We broadcast to many people who uh, listen to this station in this general area, and there is a need, isn't there, Dan? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, With respect to food? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It absolutely blows my mind. You know, I speak to the mayor all the time, and she does an amazing job at her uh, fall food drive. And um, one of the important things is, you know, 11 years ago when we started this, nobody out there really knew who the compass was. And as a result of our, our work over the last 11 years, uh, we have inspired a, a tremendous number of people to do food drives for the Compass, to do, um, you know, uh, charity drives and, and uh, coat drives and, you know, out-of-the-cold drives. So, um, you know, somebody said to me, what's your legacy? I think that's really our legacy is, you know uh, – uh, our our dinner for next year at the Oasis will be sold out two days after this dinner. So we've had a loyal group of followers who have been there for us every year. Uh, tonight we have a special presentation to a group that uh, I can't say right now. It's kind of a secret, but um, – Please, anybody out there listening, you know, you can take a bag of groceries to any uh, any food store, any fire hall. Uh, the need is greater than ever. It's, it's just greater than ever. And, Why is uh, that? I just think it's everything, Mark. I think it's the, uh, the economy, uh, you know, seniors. Uh, you things know, are taxes, more expensive, though. Things are more expensive. Things are pricey, though, aren't they? Oh, I mean, the cost expensive. of stuff in the grocery stores and and. I've noticed. I mean, I've become a choosier shopper since this carbon tax came in because I know that stuff has to be trucked to there, and it's just increasing the prices of everything. And so, you know, all of a sudden, uh, maybe I, I won't buy that item, or I won't buy this item, or I'll wait until it's on sale. You know, just become a little bit more choosier about when to buy stuff. And and so, if you're in a tough spot, if you're counting pennies, you, you know, week in, week out, it's a tough place to be, isn't it, Imran? Well, I think this is a great segue to talk about supporting local. I mean, if you're talking about uh, this carbon tax and transporting goods uh, from uh, abroad, uh, this this is uh, bringing consciousness to 
support local, you know, whether it's our entrepreneurs, whether it's our uh, business owners, whether it's our farmers. Uh, you know, we really need to reflect on the choices we make. And Mark, I think you've nailed it. Uh, you know, we have to be choosy and we have to make conscious decisions. And just to comment on what Dan was saying earlier, it's it's through the support from community partners, uh, community stakeholders, you know, our first responders community, Peel Police, uh, Mississauga Fire, Peel Paramedics, Brampton Fire, all of these stakeholders and more, including our elected officials, as well as uh, businesses in the uh, in the community have come forward and expressed their interest in supporting this cause to raise awareness uh, for this uh, uh, troubling food dependency and it 's not uh, you know, an independent or an individual mission. This is a community effort. And what Dan started uh, through Twas the Bite before Christmas 11 years ago, uh, you know, through that vision today has transformed into a complete community getting behind this effort. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, I've got to take a quick time out. You guys can hang in for the uh, until the end of the well, show? Yeah, sure. Perfect. All right. We'll be back with, uh, with Dan and, and Imran uh, after this, so don't go away. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with the last uh, 10 minutes of the Mark Petroni Radio Program. So very glad you could join us. Uh, we've got, I, tune in tomorrow, by the way, we're going to have London calling with Graham Elson. He'll be able to uh, uh, chat a little bit about what's going on in the UK right now with this NATO meeting. Let's uh, listen in a little bit to this conversation between Justin Trudeau and President Donald Trump. Okay. Where are you now uh, in terms of your number? We're at 135? 1.3. 1.4. 1.4. Okay, so so they they're talking about support. percentage of GDP going into the military well. alliance, NATO. They'll get there quickly, I think. And look, it's to their benefit. And really. the, the president knows well as well that Canada has been there for every NATO deployment. We have consistently stepped up, uh, sent our troops uh, into harm's way. We're leading in, in Iraq. Uh, we're leading in NATO, in uh, in Latvia. Uh, we continue to step up uh, like, uh, uh, like uh, most of our allies. There are some countries that, even though they might reach the 2%, uh, don't step up nearly as much. And I think uh, it's important to look at what is actually being done. So what's on the socks? That's what I want to know. What is that, a bird of some kind? We'll continue or just a to design. defend NATO and defend our interests. And we do have tremendous coordination with radar, with all of the different things that, you know, technologically, we have tremendous coordination between Canada and the United States. Okay, so they're making nice. Yes. Mr. President, to turn back to impeachment, you met with oh. President <laughs> Advisor Mark Penn last month. What did you learn from that meeting, and what advice are you getting on impeachment? Uh, we are winning so big. Uh, we had our biggest fund raising. Huge. We are month. winning huge, <laughs> huge on impeachment. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to get him. I don't. <laughs> what do you think, guys? Anyway, I'm joined by Dan Meadowcroft and Imran Hassan. Uh, they're doing terrific work uh, gathering foodstuffs for for Christmas. Talk a little bit about what people can do um, coming up to Christmas. So how much time have they got now to in order to gather their foodstuffs? Non perishables, right? You guys like well, yeah, non perishables. Uh, <laughs> Right through the whole Christmas season, actually, and uh, uh, I would say right up till Christmas Eve and beyond. I and mean, beyond uh, too, we, you know. I remember last year, uh, just a random act of uh, kindness. Uh, I put out a notice uh, on uh, social media to say, "Hey, listen, guys, it's Chris. Uh, sorry, it's New Year's Eve. I know you're all preparing to go out uh, to celebrate. Uh, why don't we just uh, everyone go to the grocery store, grab a bag of groceries, and drop yeah. it off at the local fire department?" And uh, that was a, a, just a, a wonderful, unexpected surprise. And the firefighters were just so uh, overwhelmed and pleased and surprised with the visit. So. How about gifts? I mean, uh, kids, gifts for the kids, anything like that? Do you guys do that? Yeah, sort of we, thing? we've done some of that with uh, an organization called Breakfast with Santa, mm-hmm. um, and they put on the greatest Christmas parties for kids. And uh, you know, we, we've held a couple of fundraisers for that. We've had a few. Uh, there's a lot of toy donation places. We concentrate on food and uh, actually out of the warmth supplies. You know, there. I heard from the Compass. They told me there are 68 homeless people living in Park Credit. 68. And I go every morning to the countrywide down there before I go to the gym. And uh, I've often bought two or three sandwiches or coffees for people. It's it's sad. It's you know sad, what? Mark. Here's the thing. It, there, there are little things you can do, right? And it, little things. And when enough of us do little things, then it has a huge impact over time, doesn't it, Imran? They do accumulate. And sometimes the I'm going to say the simplest form of charity is a smile. If we can just smile at someone, say hello, acknowledge them, make them feel a part of society and community, those things are really a big step forward. What is the issue? Is it substance abuse for most of these people or mental problems? Could be a combination of things. We have a huge, as everybody knows, opioid problem in this country. Man, it's terrible. Uh, it's, isn't it? it's unbelievable. Uh, uh, even down the lake shore, and of course, you know the, pol- the politicians don't want to acknowledge it because it's not a nice thing. But at the end of the day, uh, it- it's horrendous. And uh, uh, if you've ever been out to Vancouver to East Ugh. Hastings, oh my God, I- I've never. It makes you cry. It just. And yeah, yeah, these are a lot of people who uh, use food banks, um, who have mental illness, as you say, Imran, and who have substance abuse problems. But a lot of them do get sober. A lot of them do get clean, and a lot of them do improve their lives. They need love. They I mean, at the end love. of the day, right? I mean, Absolutely. obviously, they need uh, the necessities of life. They need food. They do need a roof over their head. But they they want to know that people care. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, no secret, I've been around a 12-step program for 36 years, and I've seen them all come and go. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, you got to do a little bit. Every little bit helps. You know, when we started the bite before Christmas, we got all our food donated. And our first dinner, uh, I, I said, it's going to be $20. People go, oh, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. I said, no, it's not. It's Easy. Everybody can afford a $20 bill. And and that's how we based uh, the bite over the years. It's on $20 bills. So we collect a lot of $20 bills. We can buy a lot of food. Imran, uh, with the time we've got left, what do you want to pass on to our listeners today? 
The message I have is that uh, everyone has a role to play, uh, whether we are contributing our time, contributing through our pocketbooks, or going out into the community, um, you know, sharing your warmth and, 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 and kindness through a smile and just helping give a hand up to the community in need. There's uh, something I want to just say about Eden Food for Change. Uh, they're not just a food bank that uh, distributes food to uh, the community in need. They have a learning kitchen. It teaches people how to prepare healthy meals for themselves and it teaches them employable skills. What a better way uh, to get these uh, unfortunate circumstances uh, you know, to a position where they can go out and have dignity and go out into the community and contribute and get off the food bank. You guys are doing a terrific job with this, but everybody has an opportunity here to play a role. Absolutely. And one last thing I'd like to say is that the event, for those who haven't already purchased the ticket, uh, it's not really a cost. It's a donation. It's $20, as Dan pointed out. It's Saturday, December the 7th. It'll run between 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. The website is very simple. It's www.streetsville.org go there make a donation uh, get yourself a ticket oh by the way children are free this is a family event so a family of four if it's mom dad and two kids a total donation of $40 will get you a buffet breakfast like you've never had and just to give everyone a little extra uh, um, insight uh, Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus, of course, will be there, and they're handing out gifts this year to everyone who attends Compliments of Coffee Culture. So please come out and support this important cause and support your local food bank. And all the proceeds go to help those in need. 100%. 100% of all of our donations go to the cause. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate this. Thanks for having us out, Mark. All right. Thanks, Mark. Good luck with your event. And uh, there you heard all the uh, information you need to to chip in, help out uh, those who are so needy around this time of year. I get to do this again tomorrow, as usual. We've got uh, London Calling tomorrow, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, Thank you, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Live on saga960am.ca.